Welcome to the EMSO Talks podcast. Welcome to EMSO Talks. I am Brett Rosen, strategist and economist for Latin America, and I'm joined today by my colleague and portfolio manager, Saad Khan. Hi, Brett. Good to be here. Thank you, first of all, of our listeners for joining in. Today's podcast is a follow-up to the discussion that our colleagues Jens Niestet and Patrick Esserwellis hosted a couple weeks ago when they covered EMSO's global outlook for 2023 and also highlighted some outlook points for Latin America for the year to come. In this podcast, we want to delve a little bit deeper into some of the major themes that we see in the region for the upcoming calendar year. Namely, one, inflation peaking in most of the major countries. Two, that central banks are expected to be on pause at some point within the calendar year 2023 and potentially to cut rates during the next year. Three, that growth should be lower across the board in most of the major countries. A bit of a payback for the growth of 2021 and 2022. And finally, there are a number of political events that bear watching. We have a new government taking over in Brazil at the start of 2023. We have political turmoil in Peru. And we also have an election later on in 2023 that will be taking place in Argentina. So having set the table, let me turn over to Saad and ask, how are you feeling about the general trading opportunities in Latin America for the upcoming year? Thanks, Brett. I mean, overall, um, the medium-term framework that we have in mind is is quite conducive um, to uh, trading opportunities, and the opportunity set uh, overall is is quite robust. Um, you know, there's some pretty significant changes in the macroeconomic fundamentals of the region. Some of them we'll dig into a bit later. But it's an interesting combination of, of uh, some strong medium-term fundamental changes that should lead to uh, some fairly strong uh, trends across, across the space, but also some short-term risks, uh, namely political risks in the likes of Brazil and, and Peru uh, most recently that, that you flagged. So it creates opportunities. It also creates the potential for short-term dislocations um, and creates a space where while we do have to navigate some of these, uh, these short-term risks, these risks should actually end up creating more value in the region and, and more opportunities for us to take advantage of from an entry point perspective. So overall, I think we're going to have our hands full and, and looking forward to uh, 2023. Well, thanks for those comments, Saad. And I thought it made the most sense to just go through country by country, focusing on the major Latin American countries that we observe on a daily basis here. And of course, we'll start off with Brazil being the largest economy in the region. In an interesting year in 2023, President-elect Lula will take over office on New Year's Day in 2023. And the market in particular has been very concerned about what the path of fiscal policy would look like under a Lula administration. One thing to note is that the budget for 2023 will include a waiver which will allow the government, and this should be approved within the next few days, which will allow the government to go over its spending cap by somewhere in the neighborhood of 160 or 170 billion reais. Additionally, we're looking for the central bank, which lifted the benchmark policy rate to 13 and three quarters percent, to stay on hold for the near term and retain a, a very vigilant view in terms of monetary policy, especially as inflation remains quite above their target. 
with a good possibility that the central bank would then look to ease policy later on in 2023. And this comes amidst a fairly weak economic outlook when we look at growth and some other measures of economic activity. Brazil is going to grow somewhere close to 3% in 2022, but in 2023, growth should be closer to 0.5 or perhaps 1%. And part of this is due to the lagged impact of the monetary policy tightening cycle that I mentioned previously. But really, again, the main thing to look for here is what will the Lula administration mean for markets? And with that, you know, I'll turn it back to you, Saad. And what do you think the Lula administration will, will bring for markets? And, and what are some of the trading opportunities that you see in Brazil amidst this backdrop that I've described? Yeah, thanks, Brett. So there's a very interesting dichotomy here where from a traditional monetary policy perspective, when you look at the growth outlook, when you look at the inflation outlook, you would argue that policy rates are clearly too high and they need to be adjusted lower at some point um, over the the, the coming uh, few months. But the injection of fiscal uncertainty has led to the market pricing in a fair amount of risk premium across the board in in, in the rate space. Um, and what that means from us is that we're looking more at the front end of the rates curve as as the place to look for opportunities where the central bank uh, can anchor things a bit more and can validate our thesis that the growth and inflation outlook calls for for lower rates. And what we're doing is we're being a bit more tactical than we would normally be just because of the uncertainty. And we're sort of staying away from the from the longer end of the rates curve because we have less conviction on the medium term direction and more conviction on the shorter term direction. And, and our main sort of focus is to sort of wait for um, extreme moves, extreme dislocations, and then use that as our as our entry levels and, and come in and, and position for lower rates. And just one quick example of what the, what extreme dislocations can look like at, at the peak of the panic around uh, the incoming Lula administration, uh, you saw the market pricing in a terminal policy rate of 15%. Uh, with the hiking cycle extending well into uh, 2023, which was clearly a, a mispricing relative to the economic fundamentals, even if you take into account the need for higher risk premium in this new fiscal regime. So our overall bias is to look for opportunities to position for lower rates. Our overall uh, preference is, uh, is, is for the front end of the rates curve, um, and uh, and we're a little bit more tactical and a little bit more opportunistic with our uh, with our entry and exit levels. Well, great, Saad. Thank you for those comments on Brazil. And, and we'll move now to another country where the political transition happened earlier in calendar year 2023 when Gustavo Petro was elected president of Colombia and represented what most would consider to be the first left-wing president in, in many years of that particular country. In terms of Colombia, you know, we were recently actually there a couple weeks ago on, on a research trip, meeting with government officials, local consultants, economists, and market participants. And the, the general gist that, that and takeaway that, that came out of the, those meetings was that the Petro administration, which started off um, perhaps scaring investors with, with, with some of its rhetoric uh, revolving around energy reform, land reform, tax reform, and, and other issues, seems to be moving a little bit more towards a, a, a let's call it a more pragmatic type of policy um, disposition. In, in that sense, we saw coming out of our meetings that some of these initial proposals from the campaign have been dialed down a bit. Uh, perhaps to also appeal a little bit more 
to the centrist legislators in Colombia and to a population which does tend to be perhaps a little bit more centrist than the Latin American mean historically. The other, other couple points out of Colombia that I'll highlight before I turn it back to Saad is inflation remains very elevated in Colombia, and we're still seeing inflation running in double digits. The last inflation report that we received did disappoint the market, showing that inflation does remain quite pressured. And we look for inflation to be continue to be pretty high in 2023 in Colombia when we compare it to the rest of its regional peers, likely ending the year somewhere in the neighborhood of 7.5%. And part of this is a factor of the, the inflation stickiness that we see in Colombia. And as minimum wage discussions are advancing for 2023, that will be an indicator that we look at, which could very well impact the price pressures within the economy during the next calendar year. And with that in mind, you know, the central bank has been hiking the policy rates at 11%. We expect another hike between now and year end, likely to 12%, and probably one or two more hikes in the first quarter of 2023. And so in the initial comments that I made, I suggested that central banks would be pausing and perhaps looking to cut in 2023. But Columbia is kind of further down on that list by virtue of the fact that Columbia was a bit late in hiking. And as a result, they've been a little bit tardy in terms of arresting inflation pressures vis-a-vis other Latin American countries, which means in our view that Colombia will be, of the major LATAM countries, the last central bank to pause and ultimately to ease policy. So with that in mind, let me turn it back to you, Saad, and, and tell us, you know, what are some of the opportunities that you see in Colombia for 2023? Yeah, so completely agree with your with your take on, on the situation in Colombia. Uh, we do think that the central bank there has a lot more to do relative to other central banks before they reestablish their uh, their credibility on a, on, a, on a more sustained basis. Um, as you flagged, uh, you know, the, the market had gotten quite pessimistic on Colombia, and we've seen a pretty quick reversal from some of the extremes there. And, and so f- for the foreseeable future, we're actually a bit more neutral in Colombia just because of the speed of the, the relief rally that we've seen um, across assets. Um, and the other thing that sort of kept us a bit more neutral is is the liquidity in some of the local markets is not um, as good as some of the other markets. So if we see any uh, resurgence of concerns on on the policymaking side, that can give us another opportunity to to get back in some of these uh, uh, these markets and position for for another leg of of this rally that that we've seen unfold over the, over the last few weeks. But overall, for now, staying a bit more neutral, uh, waiting for bigger dislocations before before dipping our toes back in. Well, thank you for that, Saad. Now we'll move into a, a couple countries where we do think cutting cycles could potentially start in, in the mid to latter half of 2023, and, and two countries where maybe the political environment is a little bit calmer. Uh, the first what we'll start off with is Mexico. And, and when we look at Mexico, the question there from the monetary policy angle is, can Banco de Mexico decouple from the Fed? They've basically been shadowing the Fed hike for hike for several months now. When the Fed's been doing a 75 basis point hike, Banco de Mexico has been following. And so one of the questions which we're analyzing here is, can they deviate from the Fed's policy as we move into 2023? In the near term, we think probably not. And part of that is due to the fact that 
Inflation remains very elevated in Mexico. Core inflation in particular, which the central bank put, puts a lot of attention and focus on, is still running at around 8.5% on a year-over-year basis. So we really see the, the central bank there continuing to shadow the Fed, at least for the next several months period of time. And in terms of on the activity side, one of the themes that's really been gaining a lot of attention in recent months has been the theme of nearshoring and the, the notion that Mexico can benefit from shifts in supply chains and different industries opting to relocate their businesses or factories or operations in Mexico, which benefits, of course, from a, a, a border with the U.S., uh, less transportation costs per se than you might find out of Asia, and some other reasons as well. But this is really in its nascent stages, we think, but it is a theme that is growing. And along with the, the very large flow of remittances that is coming back to Mexico from the U.S., these are a couple themes that have been supportive for Mexican markets in recent months. So, you know, I'll turn it back to you, Saad. You know, what, what do you think about the opportunities in Mexico for 2023? And let, let's hear from you in terms of how, how you would be uh, looking at the next year. Sure. So I'll start off with the currencies. The Mex peso has performed uh, quite well this year in line with some of the themes that you've uh, you've mentioned. Uh, we think that that performance should continue into 2023. The obvious risk being one where if you get uh, too much of a U.S. slowdown, then Mexico being so close to the U.S. cycle can begin to lag some of the other uh, EM currencies out there. Uh, but overall, we still see it as a uh, as a currency pair that should perform and, and strengthen gradually over the course of 2023. Um, and on the rate side, uh, you know, given how much Banxico has hiked um, already, given how far ahead of the hiking cycle they are, we think the next big move is for lower rates. In an ideal world, the Fed will actually um, slow down its pace of hikes and allow Banxico to do the same. Um, but if the Fed does continue on hiking uh, for a bit longer, uh, what will allow Bankico to decouple is likely to come down to just FX performance. So if the MEX peso is performing well, we think that Bankico can try and um, pivot away from the Fed and slow down their own uh, pace of hikes or even pause. Uh, they might get away with it and be able to do that if the currency continues to, uh, to, to hang in there and perform well. Uh, if not, um, then obviously that, that decoupling is much harder to, uh, to materialize. But our base case is that, that the next big move is lower in rates. Well, thank you for that. And now let's move to Chile. In, in Chile, we also see a double-digit policy rate. We also see inflation in double digits, but likely to decline fairly significantly in 2023 and into 2024. And we see a country as well where the current account, which has been significantly in deficit, is expected to adjust in 2023. And this is a classic overheating story. The Chilean economy had been overheating. And now with the fiscal adjustment, the monetary adjustment that I mentioned with the significant hikes that have taken place, we expect the economy to cool down, if not enter a recession in 2023 with something like negative 1%. Um, growth for the upcoming year. So, Saad, what do you see in Chile in, in the months to come? Yeah, so for the most of 2022, we were uh, a bit more concerned on, on the currency in light of the fundamentals that you've just highlighted, namely the, the, the big current account deficit, um, some political uncertainty. 
Um, but those factors are improving. Uh, as you said, the current account deficit is likely to improve by almost um, 50% uh, by the first half of 2023. We also have the China reopening theme, uh, which all else being equal will be will be uh, bullish for some of the, the China proxies in the EM space um, like, uh, like Chile. Um, so we're a bit more uh, constructive on the medium term basis. Uh, the one caveat being uh, that if the central bank does engage in a premature cutting cycle, then that can sort of uh, reintroduce more pressures on the currency. And that's a risk that we're watching um, uh, very closely. Um, the one interesting thing about the Chilean rates market is how quickly the market has priced in an expectation of very deep cuts um, in 2023. So given how quickly those rate cut expectations have been priced in, we're staying away uh, from that space for now. We think um, some of these uh, cut expectations are, are a bit too aggressive and it'll take um, a bit longer than the market thinks for the central bank to start uh, start easing rates and engaging in a new uh, cutting cycle. Well, thank you for that, Saad. So we'll close out with two countries in the Andean region who have both been in the headlines recently for political volatility. And we'll start with Peru, where within the last week, the president was impeached by the Congress. He was removed from office for what many described as a kind of coup d'etat that he was trying to impose on the institutions within the country. And we end up with a new president, the prior vice president, having taken over. And now there's a lot of questions about governability. And even as we speak here today, there's questions about will she complete her term? Over the weekend, she made an announcement. This is the new president, Dina Boluarte, that elections would be held in April 2024, effectively moving up by two years the date of those elections. But I would also say that Peru over the years has been through a tremendous amount of political volatility. We've had presidents impeach, removed from office, and yet the economy amongst all the countries that we're speaking about today has generally performed pretty well. And I would also add on top of it, the central bank is highly respected. The central bank also has significant firepower in the form of the highest reserves to GDP in the region to diminish volatility within financial markets and currency markets should we have more political upheaval. So, Saad, how are you looking at Peru? I think the next few days are very important. Um, If elections in 2024 becomes a base case and is a stable status quo, then it's quite constructive for for local markets, both the FX um, as well as the rate side of things. Um, we are monitoring the the political situation on the ground. Um, there's obviously protests that are quite widespread. If they sort of subside over the next few days and and we don't see pressure on the election date moving forward, then then we're happy being uh, constructive on both the currency side as well as the rate side of things. Um, rates are have been screening attractive for a while. Peru has a has a good real rates cushion. The inflation dynamics are are relatively sound in the region, um, and the central bank is credible. Um, so we're constructive, uh, but mindful of some of these uh, tail risks on the, on the political um, side of things. Well, thank you for that, Saad. So just to finish off, a, a quick comment on Ecuador, which was another country that we visited recently. And, and Ecuador, similar to Peru, is, is no stranger to political turmoil. And also similar to Peru, there had been attempts to impeach President 
Guillermo Lasso. They were unsuccessful. He remains in office, albeit with a very low support rate, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15%. And, and in the near term, the very near term, his position looks quite stable. But as we move into the second quarter of 2023 and through the rest of the year, we don't rule out the restart of significant street protest, perhaps another attempt or attempts to remove him from office by the opposition. And overall, political turmoil should dominate a lot of the headlines in Ecuador. On the economic side, the country is concluding its current accord with the IMF this month, and there's questions about what will come next. But the IMF is expected to be supportive of Ecuador, and other multilaterals as well are going to be continuing to support Ecuador with financial assistance in 2023. And from the debt standpoint, when we look at 2023 and also 2024, the amortizations that Ecuador faces appear to be manageable. It's beyond that when we get into 2025 and in 2026, with 2025 coinciding with the next scheduled presidential election, that the numbers get a little bit more worrisome. So we are going to close it at that. I want to thank Saad for his time and, and all of his views on Latin American markets. And thank you all for tuning in. And please contact EMSO's investor relations team should you have any questions. Thank you.